I am a middle child of three. Are there any other middle children in the house? Yeah, a few. Um, I googled uh, what middle children are like. It came up with middle child syndrome. Don't Google it. It's not encouraging. <laughs> that, I'll just leave it there. I was like, what, what are we like? But shout out to the middle children. Um, I, so I've got my older brother, um, G1, and my younger sister, Romina. Um, and, oh, we didn't come out of nowhere. I've got a mum and dad as well. Um, and I, I just, I love my family to bits. Um, I'm a little bit, um, a little bit proud of them. Um, and I wanted to share a photo with you this morning from when... We, uh, us kids, were a little bit, um, little, little bit littler than we are now. Not that much because we're not huge people. But um, here's a photo. Uh, that's us. Um, so that's me in the middle. That's my brother with not many teeth uh, <laughs> and my sister. Um, and last year for Mother's Day, we were thinking, oh, what do, what do we get, Mum? She doesn't really want more things. We want to do something for her. Um, we came up with the idea of doing of recreating this photo um, as adults. Um, and so, um, with a little bit of help from, uh, well, well, we staged a photo shoot with a little bit of help from Photoshop to get some colors right, um, we came up with this photo here. Hey. <laughs> All right, and I got another slide with them side by side. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think we did pretty well. <laughs> Uh, don't ask me why we were hanging out in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but we, we wanted to do something together to, to give to mum. We framed this up and gave it to her, and um, she was stoked. She loved it. And I think it was because we'd done something that we knew would bring a joy to her heart. We'd put in some time and effort to put it together. Um, and it was just a small thing. I mean, it didn't really cost that much. Um, you guys are getting it for free. <laughs> but... Um, but it was a gesture to show um, our love for her in return for all the love that she'd shown to us. Um, and in some small way, um, this is kind of like what we get to do to God in worship. He's our Father who loves us, and we get to do, make some kind of gesture to show some love to Him. Last week, if you were here, Matt spoke about uh, the kingdom of God. And it's a, it's a big topic. It was a really great message. Unfortunately, we had some technical issues with the audio, so um, you can't catch it on the website. But we, we're doing this kind of, uh, we're dotting in these messages in between the series that we've got coming up of just important stuff, of things that are core to, to who we are, to, to what it means to follow Jesus, um, and what it's like living in his kingdom reality. Um, so today, we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about this thing of worship, of giving love to our Father. And particularly, we're going to focus in on the, the time that we have together when we're gathered um, in worship to Him. Um, but, but first, we kind of have to clear up what worship is. Um, the word worship itself, you may have heard, has its roots in Old English from two parts, worth-ship. And it just means giving worth to something, attributing worth to something or someone. It's, it's saying that this is valuable, this is worth treasuring or prizing, this is something worthy of recognition or honor. Um, in the Bible, there are lots of words that get translated to what we understand as worship, and, and most of these words, they, well, they're all doing words, and, and they're to do with bowing down or giving acts of service to, to give glory to someone. If we were to, to put it simply, worship 
is simply loving God more than anything else. This is worship. It's expressing our love to Him, putting Him as our top priority, and giving Him honor. When it comes to worship, one of the most quoted passages in the Bible is from Romans 12, and it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And what this passage is telling us through a metaphor is that worship of God involves our whole lives. It's, it's a whole life, whole body response to His love. And so we're going to explore it today, acknowledging that worship is actually an all-life-encompassing act. It's, it includes the way we speak to our family, the way we use our resources, our money, and our time. It, it involves the way we speak to our neighbors and, and the way we work at our jobs. It affects every facet of our lives, both private and public. So you can see that this is a huge topic, right? There's, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to worship, and, and we could spend ages trying to cover it, but we're going to hone in on our gathered worship. When we get together as the church, as the church family, how do we do this? Uh, how do we give honor to God in this way? And uh, often this looks like with songs, with, with prayers, with uh, spirit-inspired words, um, and more. Because, you know, there's this special dynamic at play when we gather to worship Him with that purpose. When we, when we come together to bring our hearts in unity towards Him, there's something different and powerful about that space. Um, so that's what we're going to explore today. Sound okay? All right, cool. I just want to pray before we go on. God, You are so worthy of our love. And we only know this we only know you in, in a small way, but it's already enough to, to overwhelm us by the fact that you love us, God. Um, and we want to know more of you. So would you help us this morning as we talk about this, God, to, to stir something in us to worship you more fully, to worship you in the way that really does bring you honor. Um, and uh, we, we really want to connect with you, God, in this whole thing of worship. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? And speak to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, um, I've been told that there are two types of people. There's cat people and dog people. Okay, so who, who here would say, I'm a dog person? All right, yeah, yeah, okay, a few of you. Who's a cat person? All right, it's, uh, it's kind of split. I'm a cat person as well. I like them. I don't know if you saw, but I think we had a cat in our church service just before, um, which was pretty cool. Did, I don't know if anyone brought it along, but... Um, <laughs> Well, there's, there's kind of a, a cliche about cats and dogs, right? You may have heard this before. Dogs say, you feed me, you care for me, you walk me, you must be God, speaking to their owners. And cats say, uh, you feed me, you care for me, you clean my litter box, I must be God. And look, we can be, we can be a little bit like cats when it comes to the Bible. Um, we think that it's a story about us, um, when really it's more like written by dogs. It's a story about God. It's all about Him. And, and we can do the same thing with worship, you know, have this kind of cat attitude that it's about us. Um, sometimes you hear people say, oh, you know, worship's just not really doing it for me at the moment. Or I, I didn't really get anything from worship this morning. And the thing is, it's, we're not supposed to. <laughs> it's for God. 
that's the first thing. Worship is all about God. It's not about us. And when we worship, what we're doing is we're focusing our attention on God. When the scriptures call us to sing, which they do repeatedly, um, it's about Him. This is from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. It goes on, but it doesn't even talk about necessarily feeling like it. It's talking about making a decision. I, I will decide to tell God about His greatness. I will choose to express love to Him and to recognize Him as the source of every good thing. See, the reality is that none of us really feel like worshiping all the time. Um, sometimes you may even be rostered on to lead worship and not feel like it, theoretically. <laughs> but, you know, there's, this, there's a choice to be made, a decision to turn our focus to God, our desires towards Him. And even when it's felt hard, I've never regretted making that choice um, because it aligns my heart and my being and my focus with God, which is how it's supposed to be. It puts him in the right place as number one. So worship is all about God. And we've been made for this. We are wired to give worship to something, right? If it's not about God, it'll be about something else. Something will take our affection, our energy, our, our, our best time and our focus. It's, it's kind of easy for other things to take over that number one spot from God. Um, it can be our career, you know, advancing in our work situation. It can be our social status, about what other people think about us. It can be just gaining material stuff. It can be a whole lot of other things. It can even be ourselves, and a lot of the time it is. But if it's anything other than God, then our worship is misdirected. You know, as it's often said here at Coast from up the front, um, the best indicator of where your heart is pointed is if you look at what you do with your money, your time, and your energy. Um, so you can find this out in a quick way if you check your calendar and your bank account. <laughs> if anything else takes our number one spot except for God, our life is out of alignment. I don't know if you guys have ever had to do that thing with your smartphone. You know, it has a GPS, but you have to calibrate it. Um, mine makes me do these weird figure of eight things so that it will point in the right way. And if you don't do that, then you get your little blue dot and it thinks you're facing the completely different direction or you don't get a blue dot at all. Or sometimes, like mine, it puts me in the ocean, um, <laughs> which is not handy when you're trying to navigate in a hurry. But see, what we do every time that we choose to worship, whether it's in private or when it's gathered together, we're recalibrating our hearts on Him. We're aligning our hearts with Him. And you know what? Other things tend to fall into place when this happens because that's where God's supposed to be in our lives. Last week, as I mentioned before, Matt spoke about God's kingdom and this reality that there's a future hope that we have that we experience in part now, but not fully. And there's this kind of overlapping. But when we worship, we're actually making a big truth claim about his kingdom. We're saying that God is the king and we're not. We're saying that God is the king and the world isn't, that, that he reigns over everything. Some of our songs, um, they have lyrics like, 
come let us sing for joy, let us shout aloud to our King. And it seems easy to sing that, or like it's another nickname for God, um, but it's not. It's making a radical statement. So we were made to worship God, and when He's at the center of our worship, our lives become aligned. You know, that's what we did in, in some way when we took communion together. We recognized that now our life is in Jesus, and that's why we do that as part of our worship too. We're, we're recognizing that this is how things are. This is our new reality. If you ask people, if you ask Christians why we worship, you might get a whole lot of different answers. Um, they might think that it's just so the musicians in your church have something to do because <laughs> they're not very good at stacking chairs. Um, but, <laughs> but at the heart of it, um, I think this question is answered in a really concise way in 1 John chapter 4.19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. And this is a truth that we need to, to grasp that we are pursued by God. All we do when we worship is respond to His love. And this is what it means to fully be a child of God. This, this verse, it's short and it's simple, but it, it contains a massive truth that we didn't initiate the relationship between us and God, that, that He did. And, and so we respond. Why does this matter? Well, the order of things that we do is actually important. You might have seen, um, if you're on Facebook, um, or if you're part of the Hibiscus Coast Facebook page, <laughs> which um, I'm sorry if you are, <laughs> um, you might have seen some of these riddles which have gone viral. It's, uh, I'll put one up here. These kind of problems, you know, people love sharing them. It seems like there's one every day on the Hibiscus Coast page. Um, and I know, like, I've, I've instantly lost about half of you. <laughs> You're all trying to solve it. So what I thought I'd do, because I know I've just lost your attention for a bit, is I'll give a chocolate bar to the first person who can come up here and tell me the right answer. And now you have to come up here, and, and if you get it wrong, you get the gift of humility. Okay, Incorrect. A gift of humility. Okay, someone else, come on up. Oh, it's a Lee Grace. All right, what's your answer? The answer is 15. It's correct. All right. All right. There's the chocolate. Sorry, guys, for you who came up. The trick here, part of the trick is there's two lots of fries in the third line and only one lot of fries in the bottom line. So we get... Um, uh, Yeah, so each milkshake is worth 10, each burger is worth 5, and then at the bottom you've got a 5 plus 1 times 10. Now remember from Bedmass, if you remember back to school, that you, that you do multiplication first before you add. So we've got the fries in a milkshake, one fry, not two fries, which is two, one fry times 10 plus 5 is 15. Have I lost you all? Okay, I'll, I, if you're confused, come and talk to me later. I can, I can give you the picture. <laughs> okay, there's some vigorous debate going on. No, I know. Okay, let's go next slide, <laughs> quickly. <laughs> let's pull it down. 
I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> if you want to come and debate with me later, I'm happy to do that. <sighs> there was a point to all of that. <laughs> and maybe it makes the point even better, that, that the order that we do things is important. If we get the order wrong, we can end up at a completely different answer. And this is what it's like when we say that God loves us first. We have to get the order right. If we think that God's love is proportional to how good our worship is or, um, or anything that we do, then we're going to get his character wrong. Uh, and we'll be constantly striving to do the right things or to try and earn his love. And, and Jesus died so that we didn't have to do that. So we didn't have to strive. So we didn't have to live under that burden. He did it to prove that God loves us, loved us before we even knew him, before we could even do anything for him. And if we understand this, then it changes us. It changes us. Rather than trying to win God over or earn his approval, we, we learn to rest in his love. And this is what we do when we worship. We can let go of our striving. Um, I went to Festival One. I've been a few times. And uh, they often have um, some great times of worship there in lots of different ways. Um, and I remember going um, and they sang this song, um, which is, the lyrics have been up, up the front. And I remember being in worship and just being completely struck by this fact that God chose to love us before we even knew him, before we could even do anything. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. It goes on, um, and I, I really like the lyrics to that song. Um, but I was undone in that moment because I realized um, there is nothing I can do to earn God's love, and I don't need to. And in, mo in moments like this, in, in times of worship like this, it's, it's like a child being hugged by a parent, right? Knowing that it's not about what you do or what you can do, it's about who you are. God doesn't need our worship in order to love us. He already loves us, and it brings him joy when we choose to respond to his love. Kind of like a photo of your siblings in a wheelbarrow, just a gesture um, to show him that, yes, you are my father and I love you back. God loves it when we gather to do this for him. So we love him because he loved us first. And this is what we find, um, that when we do this, when we gather intentionally and we collectively put our focus on him, that, that God draws near to us. And if, if that sounds kind of cyclical, it's because it is. There's this thing that goes on. We, we show our love for him, and he reveals more of his love for us. And the Bible says in James 4, 8, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Or draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And this is something that we experience, that something shifts in the atmosphere when we encounter the living God. And it's important to, to remember, if we're not doing this to get something. But there is something that changes in the dynamic, that when, when we do bring our hearts fully to him, that we find we're refreshed, we, we are empowered, we, we experience change, and we see things like people carrying their crutches out the door. Um, we find healing in the innermost broken parts of ourselves, um, because real life flows out of our engagement with God. And you may hear people talking about being in God's presence from time to time, this thing of his presence. And it's a funny phrase because you think, isn't God present everywhere? Um, well, yeah, absolutely. 
but there are spaces and environments where there seems to be less distance between us and God. And people describe this in all sorts of ways that language kind of fails, but you have to experience it to know. Places, it's places where we can sense and experience His power more readily. It's like there's a heaviness of His presence. There's a phrase to describe this kind of thing from the Celtic tradition, um, and they, this phrase is thin spaces. And they use this to mean a place where the boundary between heaven and earth is especially thin. Um, last week, if you were here, Matt had the ropes of time spread out across the stage um, to represent this future age overlapping with our current age. And this, these things of thin spaces, it's kind of like those two ropes come together or intertwine. It's like we get to experience more of God's goodness. If you have experienced this in any way, you will know that this is life-changing stuff. God can bring peace to the anxious parts of our hearts. He can wrap us up in love when we most need it. He can speak words of encouragement to us in our time of need and bring healing to our bodies. I got to go to a conference a few years ago um, in Christchurch, and um, it, was, it was a fantastic time. Uh, we had some international speakers come, and we, we really went for it in worship and in lots of different ways. And there were these times where we were seeing like, almost everybody got a, a word of a prophetic word of something that was from God, and we saw people being healed, and um, it was amazing. And what I loved about that was that after one of these sessions together, um, we'd been worshiping like this, and we naturally decided to go to Macca's afterwards. Uh, <laughs> and so we just went there and kind of continuing in this mode. And uh, from that, a conversation was struck up with some people who were there. Um, they ended up hearing and, about God and then experiencing His love too. And we got to pray for them, and they gave their life to Jesus there. And, you know, the first thing we did was we went to the car park and worshiped God some more. <laughs> and it was like this reality that we got to experience that overflowed into our life and our experience. And, and this is what it's designed for. It's our whole lives. And, you know, it's not always so dramatic like that, such a dramatic shift in someone's life. Um, my personal go-to place when I really want to connect with God in, in my own time um, I go to Orewa Beach and just take my car, go get a coffee, and um, put on some worship music and spend time connecting with Him. And um, I've done that over and over. And reason being is that I find some kind of connection with Him there. And, and I know when I'm uh, feeling isolated or lost or there's something that I need to bring to Him that He's ready and eager to meet me in that place. Uh, everyone can kind of have their own way of connecting with God. And I encourage you to, to try and find that and to go after it because God wants you to experience Him in that way. And just as a side note, you know, when, we, when we're doing that as a church, if we're all doing that in our, in our regular life, when we come here and we gather, this is just a natural overflow of what we're already living before God. And this is what it should be. We don't do this on a Sunday to try and stir something up in us that will just keep us going till the next batch. It's, it's supposed to be in line with the life that we have, that we share with God. Um, so can I encourage you to do that? So how do we worship? I guess this is the question we end up with, right? 
Um, if this is what we're called to do, then how do we do it? And the reality is there's, there's a lot of ways. There are so many ways that we can express our love to God. But whatever form it takes, it has to start from the heart. Um, in the Bible, there's a story when a Samaritan woman um, meets Jesus. She wants to know exactly how, the way in which to worship God that, will, that he'll be pleased with. She's like, you know, I want to know the prescribed, where, where can I do this that it would be right? Um, give me the life hack, if you will. Um, and Jesus responds instead by telling her what kind of person God is looking for as a worshiper. He points to the inner being or the character. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the sp spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And, um, you know, there's enough in that little exchange that you could talk for a whole message and more on it. But that phrase, in spirit and in truth, it, it's to do with the inner being and an actual interaction with the real living God. It's, it points to an in, inner posture, a spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection, rather than a mechanical how-to of these are the steps you do. And so when we come to this thing of gathered worship, um, it's never going to be, you know, this do these things and you've cracked it. It's what's going on inside that matters. Uh, you know, the words that we share, the words that we sing, they're important. And a lot of effort, you might not know this, but a lot of effort goes into choosing the songs that we sing together um, or the songs that are picked for a particular week to sing. Um, but beyond that, the motives behind our words are where they gain significance. Um, I'm not married, but I have married a lot of people. <laughs> um, as a celebrant. <laughs> um, and the thing about weddings, they're this beautiful occasion, this big celebration. And often there's vows shared, and they're, um, yeah, it's really powerful. It feels like a sacred space, because it is. Um, but the thing is, if you took those words and just put them on paper... They, they have no real weight. If you took those words and said them to a stranger at the cafe, they might be flattered, but <laughs> they'll have no real weight. The significance comes because of the heart choice um, of those people committing to each other and what they're intending behind it. Um, without that heart, they have no real value. And, and the same applies when we come to this thing of worship. Um, you know, one of our worship leaders uses this phrase here um, that I quite like and saying, we're not here for worship karaoke, <laughs> which is a good phrase because we're not after mindless routine or just automation. God doesn't want us to be driverless cars. Uh, worship starts and ends in our heart. Um, and so whenever we're looking for this question, how do we worship? That's where we have to go first. So why do we sing songs together? Why do, we, why do we choose to do this thing of music? Well, firstly, it's biblical. Um, as we read before from the Psalms, um, the Bible is full of encouragements and instructions to sing. Um, in Colossians 3.16, it says, Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. God has created music and song as this powerful language for us um, to use, to express love to Him. And songs, they're, they're unique in that they engage both our head and our heart. We can express both thought and feeling towards God. We don't use music to try and stir up emotion. That's not what we're doing. 
um, and it's never our heart. We use it instead to express our love to God in a way that uses our whole self um, to connect with Him. And one of the reasons that we choose to sing together is it's one of the few expressions of love that we can actually participate in all together towards Him. Um, just really quickly want to touch on how our songs can reflect what some people call the phases of the heart in worship. And it's kind of a way of describing what can happen within us when we choose to worship God. There can be this, this call to worship, uh, an encouragement to, to come and, and bring yourself to God, to focus to Him. Come, let us sing for joy. There can be songs of engagement with God, of connecting with Him in love, adoration and praise. Um, like we sang this morning. We have songs of intimacy, of closeness with God, and, and we sing to Him in these moments, not just about Him. And in our worship, this is, this is the place where we experience that connection and closeness with Him. You might have felt this when you've prayed before. It's like He's right there, and He is. We sing things like, I love you, Lord. I give you my heart. And we have songs that reflect our experience of God moving among us, because that's the reality that we live in. And so these kind of songs, they can reflect what's happening in our hearts, what's going on in our midst as we choose to worship Him. The thing is, we worship with our whole being, which includes our body. And if we're honest, it can be kind of strange to see people like lifting their arms or, or using their body to express love to God. It's not something that you normally see, especially if you're new to church. But the, the thing is that we as humans, the way that God has made us, we're integrated beings. We're, our body isn't just a container for our soul that's separate. We're actually connected. And that's why when we come to these times of worship, you might see people singing passionately to God. You might see people raising their hands um, towards Him or opening their posture like they're receiving a gift from Him. Um, you might have seen people kneeling before God to give Him honor or just to thank Him. These expressions and more, they're, they're biblical and they're ways that we can um, respond to God's love with our whole self. The posture that we have with our body, it, in some way it reflects what's going on inside and in another way, it can actually give us more freedom to express that to God. It gives room for our spirit to lift because it's all connected. Like a lot of people, I, um, I first gave my life to Jesus um, at an Easter camp. And I remember um, responding and saying, yep, this is, this is the God who I've heard about, but I want to know Him and I want to follow Him for my life. And I'd seen other people raising their hands in worship and doing that stuff, but I didn't really understand what it was about. And I just thought, you know, I'm feeling this towards God. I want to give this a go. And so kind of just in, in little ways, you know, <laughs> tentatively at first, um, opened myself up and my body towards Him. And, and what I felt is that I could express more to God than just by singing or speaking alone. Um, it was hard to let go of worrying what other people, about what other people think of me, but I found a new freedom there to express my love to God. And it was like something rose within me to, to do that. And I've been discovering that ever since. Um, it's, not, 
It's not something that you just, you know, you're straight away there. It's something that we explore and we grow in. And this is the invitation that all of us have in our worship. Just before we wrap up, I want to quickly just mention a few things that can hold us back from this kind of full engagement with God in worship. And some, a lot of the times it can just be worrying about what others think. Um, it sounds like um, a high school issue, but it's not. We, it follows us around for our whole lives. Here's the thing that we need to remember, that our worship is for God. It's not for others. And plus, most of the time, people are kind of either preoccupied with God or themselves, so <laughs> they're not really worrying about you. Um, if you think you're going to look like a bit of a heart out <laughs> because you're going for it, then you should know that God loves that. God loves enthusiastic, exuberant worship. And there's a story of King David in the Bible. He danced in the streets with all his might. Um, and from what we read, it sounds like it was a rather undignified event. Um, but it was for joy before the Lord, and God was stoked. It can feel vulnerable sometimes to be in an intimate space with God when there's other people around. Um, and it is. But this is the thing. This is, this is who we are. People connected to God. It's who we want to be. People who choose to worship God repeatedly. People who calibrate their lives around the God who loves us and gives us hope and peace and joy. So if that's, if that's you, you're, you're wanting to go there and you're worried about being in that intimate space, can I encourage you that this is what we're here for? Sometimes it can be because we feel unworthy, that we feel like our own stuff or our shortcomings get in the way. And we need to remember that we don't worship at all because we're worthy, but we worship because He is. God loved us first, and He offers us forgiveness from our sins and the things that are hope and freedom from the things that are holding us captive. And lastly, sometimes we find it hard to worship God because we're going through hard stuff, and it's all we can see. And it's important to be real in those moments. But even then, we have the choice to turn to God. The, this is God who meets us in our circumstances, who knows exactly what's going on for us. The book of Psalms, it's full of these, what's called songs of lament, of people crying out to God in their circumstances. And in it all, it always turns towards God being good, God being faithful and trustworthy. So regardless of where we come to worship, God is still God. And maybe even just for you today, just to sing that song, God is good, that might be a huge step for you. But it's be between you and God. And the invitation is always to lift our eyes to Him, no matter what. So, worship isn't about performing or pretending. It's about what's going on in the heart. And there's lots of ways that we can engage with Him in this. I just want to leave you with this quote from uh, John Wimber, who was one of, well, he was the founder of the Vineyard Movement internationally. And he says this, We in the Vineyard have, from the very outset of our ministry, made worship our highest priority, believing that it is God's desire that we become, first, worshipers of God. This is who we are. We're called to be worshipers every day. In our work, in our universities, in our homes, even in our gyms, <laughs> when we're alone, when we're in small groups, 
when we're together like this as a gathered family. In our high points and our low points, we're called to be worshipers. So let's be a people that make a habit of responding to God in love. Let's be a people that choose to encounter God in His kingdom um, as we draw near to Him. Let's be a people that worship Him from our inner being, from the heart, and with everything that we have, including our bodies, including our resources, including our time. I'm, I just want to invite the, the band to come back up. And um, as they do, I just want to remind you as well, um, if there's anything stirred in you that you'd, just, you'd, you'd love to have some more space to, to pour worship to God, can I remind you that tonight at Night Church, we are going to have some more space available for this uh, uh, as a worship night at 7 p.m. at the Hub. And I'd love to have you come along for a time of worship and prayer and this kind of connection with God. But we are going to choose now to turn our focus and our attention to God. It's the only response, really, that we can do. And I'm not going to try and tell you what to do or to whip up anything, but it's just another invitation to, to raise our voices in worship, to, to lift our hands, to, to bring our fullness to Him, to open our hearts. Um, can I invite you to stand? Can I invite you to, to bring all that you have to God, not just in this moment here, but in every aspect of your life? Um, I'm just going to pray, and then I'll hand over to the band, and we're, we're going to sing together. And let's give glory to our God who loved us first.